Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Alrighty, if you got your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, which of course, as you know by now, is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is our fifth installment of the lesson, uh, When You Pray. Now, tonight we're going to forego any of the review. Uh, if you're visiting or you have, you're here for the first time, uh, I would encourage you to go back on the podcast, go on YouTube. Uh, to our channel and River of Life uh, FL, I think, dot com. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, go out there and uh, get caught up. But tonight we're going to jump right into our third uh, petition, which is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the subject tonight, of course, is the will of God. And this gives us an opportunity uh, to once again discuss what I think is one of the most interesting subjects in the entire Bible. It's also one of the deepest subjects in the Bible, and it can certainly be one of the most confusing uh, subjects in the Bible. And of course, again, I'm talking about the will of God. Now, in one way, the, the will of God is very simple. If you just ask me, uh, what is the will of God? Well, the will of God is what God wants to happen. That's no different from you and I. If I was talking to you one day and there was a certain situation in your life and, and I said to you, well, what's your will? Uh, I'm, I'm asking you, what do you want to happen in this situation? So that's, in a sense, it's very simple. It's just what God wants to happen. But then we ask a second question. And that is, does what God wants to happen or wants to happen, does it always happen? In other words, does God always get what he wants? And the answer to that is no, he doesn't. And you don't have to go any further than the Lord's Prayer to answer that. Because Jesus is saying and telling us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If, if God's will was always done, then why would we pray? There'd be no need, right? So certainly God's will is not done on earth all the time, okay? Now, that right there opens a can of worms. That raises a lot of questions, right? Well, if his will's not done, then is he sovereign? Is God really in control? Uh, what's going, you know, what's going on here? If there are things happening that God doesn't want to happen, then is God sovereign? So we really need to, this is why we have to stop and really look at what the Bible says. Now let me, before we dive into this subject, I want to make sure I, I frame it up for you. You and I are never going to understand completely and fully the will of God. Never. Okay, just, just know that up front. In Romans 11.33, Paul makes this statement. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. That word inscrutable means unknowable, 
impenetrable, undiscoverable. God's ways are, we're, our intellect compared to him is like an ant to a human. And we're the ant. We're, I mean, we, we can't even comprehend the intellect and the power that he has. And so, and by the way, when, when you open the Bible, if the Bible really is the revelation of God, we would expect to find things in there that there's no way we'll ever understand. Right? If I could understand everything in the Bible, that would just tell me that a man probably wrote it. Right? But the very fact that there's things in there that I have to accept on faith about this God that I serve tells me that it is inspired by God. So we need to understand that the will of God is one of those subjects that we're never going to fully and 100% grasp. At the same time, I'll remind you of Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Certainly there are things about God's will that we'll never grasp. They are, they are, they are secret. They are held in, in his mind only. But he has revealed certain things about it to us. And he has revealed those things in Scripture. So if we want to understand as much as we can about the will of God, we're going to do that by going to the Bible and find out what it, what's in the Bible. What has God revealed in the Bible about his will? And that's what we're going to do tonight. So we're going to start here. What is scripturally, what is the will of God? Well, in the Bible, there are two very clear, but also very different meanings for the term, the will of God. The first way that the will of God is used in the Bible is to describe God's sovereign will. Let me give you some scriptures. Proverbs 16.33 says this, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. If we wrote that today, we'd say the dice is rolled. But what number it comes up, that belongs to God. God determines that. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. Psalms 115.3, Our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Job says in Job 42, 2, Job says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, God says, I am God, there's none like me. Everything I plan will come to pass. I do whatever I wish. I have said what I'll do and I, I have said what I would do and I will do it and I will accomplish it. And of course, in the New Testament, Ephesians 1, 11, says, in Christ we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All of these things, whether they're using the term or not, all of these scriptures are defining what we know as the sovereign will of God. Now, a couple things about this sovereign will of God. For the most part, it is secret. It's known to God, but we don't know anything about it. Right now, in each of our lives, God is working a plan and a purpose. And for the most part, you got no idea what he's doing, right? 
right now, uh, Evelyn's out. I was talking to Jesse the other night, and Evelyn's out in California, and, and all these things and all these people are being ministered to and prayed for, and God's just doing something incredible. But for the most part, we just have to walk through it day to day, hour to hour, and just do wherever he leads, right? His, his overall plan and purpose, the things that he's doing, are for the most part secret. He might from time to time uh, tell it to us, but for the most part, it is secret. It is also, and I want you to listen to me, it is unchangeable. It is unchangeable. It will always come to pass. It cannot be stopped. Job says, your purposes cannot be thwarted. In, in the book of Daniel, it says, he does whatever he wants among the uh, people of the earth and the host of heaven, and nobody can stay his hand or say, what have you done? When God says, I'm going to do it, he does it. Nothing stops him. It, it will not change, okay? Now, that is the sovereign will of God. But there is a second meaning in the Bible, uh, a very different meaning for the term, the will of God. And this is talking about God's revealed will, okay? Now, very simply, this is when God tells us what he wants us to do or tells us what he doesn't want us to do. He reveals it to us. Now, that is most often done, of course, in Scripture. Let me give you a couple of examples. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That is the will of God. So if you're living with your boyfriend or you're living with your girlfriend or if you're watching pornography or if you're committing adultery or anything, this is the will of God for your life. Abstain from sexual immorality. You don't have to question that. Well, God, is this? No, it says it right there. This is the will of God. It's been revealed to each and every one of us. How about 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You want to know what God's will is? Give thanks in all circumstances. Good times, bad times, in between times, you give thanks to God. That is his revealed will. That is what he wants you to do. Now, sometimes it doesn't use the term, but he's still telling us what he wants to do. For example, Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. What does God want you to do on Sundays? He wants you to gather together. He wants you to be with the body. He wants you to go to church. What do you, want, what do, you do while you're there? He wants you to encourage one another. It's clear as a bell. He just told us what he wants us to do. This is, and we'll look at some more examples later, but this is what's known as the revealed will of God. God just comes right out and says, this is what I want you to do, or this is what I don't want you to do, okay? So we, there's no question here. We know what he wants from us, which means we have a choice. When God asks us to do something, commands us to do something, you and I have a choice. We can do it or not. We can obey or we can disobey. And you see, because of that choice that you and I and every other human being have, God's revealed will can be broken. It will not always come to pass. Every one of those commands has been broken and will be broken and are broken every single 
day because we don't do what he tells us to do. Now, we know that from experience. Everybody in here can testify that. But Scripture also speaks to it. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Now, he's not talking about the sovereign will of the Father. He's not talking about that. That's always going to happen. He's talking about the revealed will. When I tell you to honor your mother and father, you do that. When I tell you to love your enemies, you do that. When I tell you to forgive others, you do that. When I say husbands, love your wives, you do that. Those that do those things that I tell them to do are going to heaven. I don't care what you call him. If you don't do what he tells you to do, you ain't going to heaven. You have not been born again. You have not been regenerated. You are a pretender. Obeying the will of God is what sets those that are born again from those that are not. So let's just compare these things very quickly. His sovereign will comes to pass no matter what. His revealed will, we can choose to disobey, and we do disobey it. His sovereign will cannot be broken. It will always come to pass. Nothing can change it. His revealed will can be broken, and in fact, it is broken every single day. Now, here's the $100,000 question. How in the world does God always accomplish his sovereign will when men and women are every day disobeying his revealed will how is he able to to when i was uh my boys were young i always coached their sports teams and i would coach t-ball and one year i coached flag football and i coached soccer and so these kids are out there, and they're little kids. They're like four years old, five years old, six years old. And they don't even know the rules. And as a coach, you're trying to get them to run a play. And it's like, it's like herding cats, right? They all got their own mind. They don't know the rules. They don't know what they're supposed to do. You're trying to accomplish your will, but they got their own will. It, it's impossible, right? But see, God's doing the same thing. God's got all these human beings and they're all got their own self-wills. They're all selfish and, and we're picking and choosing what we want to obey and when we want to obey. But at the same time, God is able to pull it all off. Now to us, that seems just impossible. How, how can he do that? But yet the Bible says that he does. The greatest example of this is the crucifixion of Jesus. There's wonderful examples in the Bible, the story of Joseph is another one of those, but the crucifixion of Jesus is, is an incredible ex example of what God can do. In Isaiah 53.10, this is some five or six hundred years before Jesus is even born, much less crucified. Isaiah said this, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He's talking about the sovereign will of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. It was always going to happen. There was no plan B or plan C. He was going to die on a cross for the sins of men. That was the sovereign will of God. In Acts chapter 4, I think it was Peter and John, after they've been beaten, they come out and they meet the church and, 
And they say this in Acts 4, 27 to 28, Truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So he's saying that the, the crucifixion and the death of Jesus was, was predestined. It was planned. It was ordained. It was the sovereign will of God that that would happen. That, that he would die. This was God's plan, his decree. Yet his plan involved human beings, right? And, and they just mentioned some. It involved Judas to betray him, Herod, Pilate, the Roman soldiers, the Jews. All of these had to conspire together to bring God's sovereign will to fruition. Now, here's the thing. Those people are not puppets. God is not making them do anything. They have a free will. They have choices. They're choosing to hate. They're choosing to lie about Jesus. They're choosing to defame and blaspheme him. They're choosing to murder him. They're not puppets. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They are literally breaking the revealed will of God. And at the same time, they're, they're, they don't even know it. They're walking in the sovereign will of God. They're, at the same time, they're doing what they want. They're doing what God has ordained. How these two things work together, let me tell you, folks, that is completely beyond us. Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. We could never pull that off, but God can. And how he does it absolutely blows my mind. I have no clue how he does it. But listen, I believe it and I trust it because he's revealed that about himself in Scripture. He's saying, you may not get it, you may not understand it, but this is true. And I stand back in awe and say, okay, God, if that's how your will works, I believe it, and I trust it. Now, I'm going to do this really fast. I actually taught this lesson a year and a half ago, uh, back in October of 2021, when we went through the book of Romans. So if you want to go grab that off the podcast, you feel free, and you can get more detail. But I wanted to very quickly, before moving on, I wanted to talk about how God leads us in his will. Okay, how, does, how does God lead us to know what his will is? There are four ways. Okay? The first is what we call the will of decree. Okay? This is, let me give you an example, Acts 16, 25 to 26. At midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. The prisoners are listening to them. Suddenly there's a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaking. Y'all know the story. The doors are open. The, the jailer's going to kill himself. They said, no, we're all here. And that jailer and his family end up getting saved. An incredible story. And Paul planned none of it. Paul didn't get up that morning and think, you know what? I think I'll go get beat today. I'll just let them guys beat me and throw me in prison. I just think that'd be a great... No, he had no clue when that day started excuse me, that he was going to be in prison. He had no clue there's going to be an earthquake. He had no clue that jailer would be saved. That is the sovereign decree of God. Folks, we are led that way every single day. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. 
He is constantly moving us and maneuvering us and putting us in situations where we can glorify Him and share His name. And, and, and just, that's the sovereign will of God. That's what we call the decree of God. We, have, we really have no clue. But God is accomplishing His purpose. The second way that He leads us are the clear commands of Scripture. Don't steal, don't kill, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't lust, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, give, forgive, don't worry, don't sue one another, encourage one another, don't get drunk, love your wives, respect your husbands. I could go on and on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, the, of commands where God is telling us what he wants us to do. There, that is crystal clear crystal clear where God has given us his will. I heard somebody say one time, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear him speak audibly, read it out loud. You want to hear God speak? Pick up his word. Because that's what he's doing. He's telling you, each and every one of us, this is what I want you to do. This is what I expect from your life. All we got to do is read it and obey it. Number three is discernment. In Romans 12, 2, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now listen, if God tells you in Scripture, do this. Husbands, love your wives. That's clear what I'm supposed to do. That takes no discernment at all. But in our life and in our culture, we're going to constantly run up against things where we have to make decisions. Let's say I go to my job tomorrow and they, they say, Derek, we got a new rule and we need you to put your pronouns on your email. You got to say your pronouns on your email. I got a choice to make. I need to know, okay, is that the will of God for my life? And folks, there's no command in the Bible that says, thou shalt not put your pronouns on your email. So how do we figure that out? You got a renewed mind with the principles of Scripture. And you go and you test it and you discern what it is that God wants you to do. That happens all the time in our life. We're going to come up against situations where there is no clear command of Scripture. Romans 12, 2 has got to be your guide. You've got to have a mind and a heart led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to have a knowledge of Scripture. You've got to have a heart of submission. And then you discern from the principles of Scripture what it is that God wants you to do. The fourth one is what we might call special revelation. Um, an example of this, Genesis 20, verse 3, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, said to him, Behold, you're a dead man. Because the woman you, you've taken is, is somebody else's uh, wife. God just came to him in a dream and said, look, you're going to die. You don't give her back to, uh, you don't give her Sarah back to Abram. Now, here's the thing. I do not think, and I think everybody here, I hopefully agree with me, this should not be the normal way that God guides Unfortunately, in much of the church across America, people are no longer reading their Bibles. They're just going by how they feel. They're just going by an impression. Oh, I got a word. Right? They're not reading their Bibles. They're not putting their trust in God. They're not praying your will be done. 
And see, Jude 1.8 speaks about people who rely on special revelation. It says, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. They don't read in the Bible. They're not praying to God for guidance. They're just relying on dreams. They're relying on these uh, impressions. Notice what it says about them. They defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. That's not a good description. (coughs) Excuse me. That's not a good description of someone who uh, is relying on their dreams. So does it happen? Sure, it happens. Certainly, God can do whatever he wants us to do. But I want you to notice something. Notice at the top, God's sovereign decree, God's sovereign will working in your life is the most certain way you'll ever be led. That's the most certain. And you have really nothing to do with it. By the way, the, the commands, do you understand why the commands are least certain? Because we've got the command, but as I mentioned before, now guess what I got to do? I got to obey it. I got to walk in it. Now my flesh has entered in. Now my will has entered in. If you get down to discernment, remember, I need a renewed mind. I need a, I need a submitted heart. I need all these things to figure out what it is God really wants me to do. You get less and less certain as you go down the line. So we trust in the sovereignty of God. We read his word. We study his word. We obey his word. We use a renewed mind in the principles of God's word to discern what his will is. And then if God so chooses to give special revelation, then we can use that as well, okay? Now, let's turn back to our subject. What is the will of God? We saw there's two things. There's the sovereign will and the revealed will. Why is this important? Why is it important for us as Christians to understand this about the will of God? Well, there are two reasons. First of all, we need to understand it so that we can uh, interpret Scripture correctly. In other words, when we come to a scripture, like, for example, Isaiah 53.10, and it says it was the will of the Lord to crush him, well, what does that mean? Is that his sovereign will, or is that his revealed will? Right? We, we, we need to figure out, what is, it, what is this one talking about? Okay? That's one reason we need to understand the difference between sovereign and revealed. But there's another reason, and that is we need them both in order to understand evil in this world and specifically to understand how evil fits within the will of God so let me give you an example this is an example that I used back a year and a half ago let's say that in your life someone perpetrates a sinful act against you or a member of your family. So maybe it was a violent, a, an act of violence, or maybe it was a, a gossip or a slander, but they did something sinful against you that hurt you, and it hurt you badly. Okay, everybody with me? Now, let's say that I'm, you and I are in conversation one day, and I ask you this question. Do you think what happened to you was the will of God? Do you think that person doing what they did to you or your family, do you think that was the will of God? How do you answer that? You see, here's the thing. If you only say yes, then I would say, well, wait a minute. Are you saying that it's God's will for people to sin? 
Are you saying it's God's will for people to commit evil? Are you with me? Because you just said it was God's will. And so that's the question I would ask you. Oh, wait a minute. You're saying, well, no. See, And by the way, if you said that, just yes, that would contradict Scripture. John 1, 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He is not the author of evil. Don't say when you're tempted, I'm tempted by God. God doesn't, it, it doesn't tempt anybody. He doesn't test anybody with evil. So what if I ask you again, and you say, well, okay, maybe that ain't the right answer. So you say, no, it wasn't God's will. And I'd say, well, what kind of God is that? What kind of God is that? You see, that would also contradict Scripture. I mentioned this a while ago, Daniel 4.35. He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Listen, God is sovereign. You, you don't tell me that happened to you and it wasn't his will. What kind of God is that? That's not God. My God is sovereign. You see, understanding the two wills of God is the only way you can answer that question correctly. See, if that happened to me and you came and said, well, was that the will of God? This is what I would say, first of all, no. Because his revealed will says that we are to love one another. That we are to be kind to one another. And, and whoever did that thing, committed that sinful act, they were disobeying the revealed will of God. And by the way, when that happens, that moves God's heart with anger and with grief. And see, that's exactly right. In Mark 3, 5, Jesus looks around at the Pharisees with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart. God doesn't smile at evil. God doesn't overlook it. It grieves his heart. He's angry at it. So he, that, he, he would be angry that that person did that to me. But at the same time, I would say absolutely it was his sovereign will because there was a thousand ways he could have stopped it. And for reasons I don't understand, he chose not to. Are you with me? See, it's a yes and a no. It's the only way you can properly answer that question. Let me say this very quickly before I move on. The doctrine of God's sovereign will I absolutely love. It is my, by far one of my favorite doctrines in the Bible because it is there to give you and I comfort. Because you don't get out of this life without suffering. You don't get out of this life without pain. You just don't. We, we are born to trouble, the Bible says, as the sparks fly up from a fire. That's just the way it is. But here's what the, doc, the, the, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God says. Evil people are not in control. Satan is not in control. And thank God, you ain't in control either. You, you, we live with this illusion that we are, but we're not in control either. God is in control. And God, according to Romans 8, 28, is working all things together for good to those that love him or the called according to his purpose. That all things means what? All. It means good things and bad things and evil things. All the things that are coming in, God is taking those things. And if, it's, and if they're perpetrated by other people, he's angry at that person and he's, uh, he, he, it grieves his heart that they would do that. But let me tell you, he will take that thing and make it work for good in your life. He will glorify himself because he's a sovereign God.
Now, how he's able to do that, way over my pay grade. I got no clue. But I absolutely believe it. And let me tell you, if you can believe that, that changes everything. Let me tell you what will happen if you don't believe it. If you don't believe it, you're going to find yourself full of anxiety, full of worry, full of bitterness. You're going to find yourself unforgiving, being unforgiving. But when you believe that God is in the situation, that changes everything. You remember I mentioned earlier the story of Joseph, right? You all know that story. His brothers, they all hated him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He goes off to Egypt. He's accused of rape. He's thrown into a prison. Uh, he thought he was going to get out, and then he didn't get out. It was just a complete mess. And years later, his brothers come to Egypt, and they're standing in front of him. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says this, As for you, you meant to harm me, but God meant it for good. God, not just, it wasn't just that God used it. God purposed it. God intended it. God was in all of that. Again, now those brothers, they making their own choices. They were doing what they, God wouldn't make them do anything. But yet at the same time, they were accomplishing his sovereign will. And Joseph understood that. And because of that, he was able to forgive his brothers. If he hadn't believed in that, that that, that was true, he wouldn't have been able to do that, I don't believe. Now, the third thing, your will be done. Let's come back to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, 610 says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the first thing you want to look at is say, okay, it's talking about the will of God. What is it talking about? Is it talking about his sovereign will or is it talking about his revealed will? Well, if you think about it, what did we mention about his sovereign will? It always happens, right? So there's really no reason for me to pray your sovereign will be done because it's always done. So it, it makes perfect sense that this is talking about his revealed will. And that is certainly true. In one sense, when we pray your kingdom come, I mean, when we pray your will be done, we're praying your kingdom come. In fact, some commentators actually believe that's a form of what's called parallelism. That is just a different way of saying the same thing. Because when his kingdom comes, his will's going to be done. And if his will's being done, his kingdom's come, right? So certainly when you pray your will be done, you're praying your kingdom come. We're certainly praying, God, let other people do your will. Let my family do your will. Let the governments do your will. Let me do your will. So we're certainly praying that us and those around us, and by the way, do the will of God like it's done in heaven. Psalms 103, 20 to 21 says this, Praise the Lord, you angels of his, you powerful warriors who carry out his decrees and obey his orders. Praise the Lord, all you warriors of his, you servants of his who carry out his desires. You see, when I pray, God, your will be done in my life, the way it is in heaven. I'm saying God calls me to obey your will. Calls me, those commands that I see in Scripture, calls me to, 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 to do those things. Not just do them begrudgingly, but do them the way the angels do them in heaven, perfectly, joyfully, 
Help me do it that way. Build that in me. Create that in me. We're asking God, and this is the scary part, by the way. When you ask God, God, your will be done. You're asking God to do whatever it takes in your life to make his will prevail. God, come into my life and root out anything that would be an impediment to obey your will. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, <laughs> that's a hard prayer sometimes. So certainly, I think when you say your will be done, you're praying, God, help us, help me obey your revealed will. When I see commands in Scripture, when I, help me to follow those. That's certainly true, but I think it is so, so, so much more. So much more. I think Christ, and I, I'm going to tell you something, I really struggled with this last part. And, I'm, and I want to say before I say some of the things I'm going to say, um, I believe what I'm going to say is true. I don't mean to offend nobody. I'm not trying to teach a new doctrine or anything like this. In some ways, I feel like I'm trying to, to go to wade through all the mess that's in the church today and just get back to where Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And that's not easy to do sometimes because you've got so much baggage so much stuff you've learned and lived with over the years. It's hard to wade through it and just say, God, what are you teaching us here? And I think, as I meditated on this this week a lot, I really think he's teaching us something that is hugely, hugely important in our prayer life. And I'm afraid something that many of us have forgotten, and that is prayer is about God's will, not my will. Prayer is about God's will, not my will. Now, I'm as guilty as anybody. Most of the time when I come to God, I got a list, right? And let's get to the list because I got some needs I need to talk to you about, right? I need some things done. But notice before he ever says, ask for your daily bread, ask to forgive others, ask not to be, any, nothing of you, before you, any of that, your will be done. Your will be done. That is first. That is the priority. It's about God's will. It's about seeing God's will accomplished in my life. It's about conforming my life to his will. Let me give you two scriptures here. The first one is how not to pray. And the second one is how to pray. And notice if you see the difference. James 4.3. You don't have, James says, because you don't ask. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Now, what's wrong about what I'm asking for? You ask so that you can spend it on your passions. Notice the reason for the request is me. I need this. There's no mention here, God, what's your will? What, what, what do you want to happen in this situation? That's the wrong way to pray. And by the way, that prayer doesn't get answered. Now let's look at 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have before him that whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The first guy is praying to, to just consume it upon my passions. I, I need this. I need to feel better. I need more money. I need this situation straightened out. The other person saying, God, what's your will? I want your will done. 
And John promises if we pray according to his will, he hears us. One is the right way, one is the, the wrong way. There's a scripture, I have meditated on this so many hours this week. And that is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we all know it, and, and we've read it before, but I, it just, man, it just, it was just, I don't know. I just couldn't get past it. I just kept coming back to it over and over again. Jesus prays, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, there's a lot going on here, and I still don't think I got it all. I'm not even close. Certainly, Jesus knows the revealed will of God. He said, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many, right? He, he, know, he knows why he's there. He knows he's going to die. He's familiar with Isaiah that, that it was the Lord's will to crush him. He knows that. He knows it's the revealed will. He knows it's the sovereign will of God. And I, and I don't know, at that moment in time, he's struggling, right? He knows what he's about to face, the torture. The, the, the separation from his father, the, the abandonment of his disciples that, that are just going to run away and leave him. And he says, God, if it's possible, could you take this, let this cup pass from me? But not my will. Your will be done. Your will be done. If that's not your will, then I want your will. See, the primary thing here in this prayer is the father's will, not his will. Not what makes him comfortable. Not what makes him feel better. Not what he reasons. None of that stuff. It's what does the Father want. You see, I, I believe that Christ was really praying that. I, I, I really do. But I also think he did it as an example for us. Especially when we encounter suffering, we have to trust and submit to God's sovereign will. Let me say that again. <laughs> especially when we encounter suffering, we have to trust and submit to God's sovereign will. Now, what I just said conflicts in most churches across America today. What I just said conflicts with most churches across America today, especially about how to pray in faith. I was talking to somebody this week, and... Uh, they were mentioning somebody that just, they were, they were praying for somebody uh, that was sick, uh, a close relative of theirs. And uh, this person was talking to them about the will of God. And, and they just, they didn't want to talk about that. They said, no, I just got to believe. I just need to have faith and it'll happen. You see, there are many across America today that, that pray, they just believe that praying in faith means that you speak it and declare it, and, and, and you just keep doing it until you don't doubt, and then it'll happen. Are you with me? You just keep speaking it. You keep declaring it. Don't doubt, and it'll happen. Does anybody notice what's missing from that equation? What's God's will? What's God's will? And those same people, listen to me, this is unbelievable. Those same people will never utter the words, your will be done because they see that as doubt. The idea that you're praying for somebody and you might utter the words, your will be done, that to them, that's doubt. They'll never say it. They never utter those words. 
Now, let me say this. Where God's will is clear, we should pray with no doubt. When, when, when God says, love your wife, and I'm having a hard time, and I come to prayer one day and I say, God, I need help loving my wife. Guess what? Did you know that's God's will? And when I pray in God's will, do you know that he hears me? That's guaranteed that you don't doubt. Because if you doubt, by the way, you're calling God a liar. You're saying that he's untrustworthy. So when you know the will of God, pray with confidence. Pray, say, God, yes, I, I, I know you're going to do this because these promises say you heard me. They say this is according to your will. But what if his will is not clear? What if his will is not clear? Then how do you pray? Let's take healing as an example. Might as well just jump into the fire with both feet. Some people will say that it is God's will for all people to be physically healed all the time of all illnesses. That you should just go through this life and you should, be, you, you should never be sick. And if you are, it's your faith. you got a problem. That's on you, buddy. Everybody ever heard that, that doctrine before? It's on you. Let me tell you, that's a, they're just loading burdens on you. Loading burdens on you. Loading burdens on you that you can't carry. But they believe that. Yet, can I tell you that Scripture clearly teaches that you're going to die at some point? Do you know that? Is everybody familiar with that? You're going to die. How do you know that this isn't the illness that's unto death? Because it's coming. <laughs> Very few of us will just die of just flat out old age. You know, something's going to get us. How do you know this isn't the one? Or let me give you another one. How do you know that God is not using something about this illness, something about this sickness to conform you to his son? 2 Corinthians 1.9, Paul says this, In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Sometimes God brings things into your life. It, it's not His will to heal you. It's His will to conform you to the image of His Son, Jesus. That's what He wants to do. How do you know this illness isn't about that? Or how do you know this illness is not the discipline of a loving Father? Sometimes we're drifting. Sometimes we're beginning to play with things and go into areas we shouldn't go. And God will allow suffering to come to our life because let me tell you, nothing will draw you back to the Father any quicker than suffering. You'll run back to Him in prayer. How do you know He's not allowing that to come in as discipline? Hebrews 4, 10 through 11, He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. How do you know this illness isn't about that? Or, how do you know this isn't for the Father's glory? That God wants to take you somewhere and put you in some situations and glorify Himself in ways that you never dreamed of through your sickness. John 14, 13, Jesus says, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Folks, listen, Jesus' name, we just talked about this, it's not a magic spell that you put on the end of a prayer. When he says you pray in my name, he said you're praying to magnify my character and my purposeness and who I am, right? That's what a name means. It's not just a moniker. 
when you pray in my name, when you pray in, in, in my will, the Father can be glorified in the Son. How do you know that this illness isn't something that they want to use to glorify God? How do you know that? See, the fact is, you don't know, do you? You can't know because that's the sovereign will of God. You don't know what he's working out. Sometimes he lets us know, but many times you do not know. Folks, listen to me. And because we don't know his will, how can you pray with absolute confidence? How can you pray without, without any doubt? You, you can't because you don't know what this is all about. So what do you do in those situations? And, and, and healing is just one. We pray about all kind of things. We, we, how do we know that does God want me to take that job? Does God want me to get into that school? A lot of times we don't know what his will is. So how can we pray, God, make that happen? Here's the thing. I'll go past this one. In the times where we don't know his will, we put our faith in his character. Let's say that again. When, when you don't know his will, you put your faith in his character. He's your father. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Just, just say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. I'm, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Your will be done. I go back to Jesus, Matthew 26, 39. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I. It astounds me, astounds me, that people across this country will not say, your will be done. When Jesus is praying it in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is teaching it to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this, your will be done before you ask for anything for yourself. Praying your will be done, I believe, should be fundamental to all true prayer. But it's a statement I'm afraid that many Christians don't make anymore. And that's a, that is a real shame. I was reading and just studying about the will of God. I came across this, and I'm closing here. James 4.13. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.